and welcome to episode 24 of Mum Talk. So this week, as I promised, is the long-awaited sleep episode. So I am here um, actually in the Grow Company's headquarters. We are sitting in their amazing in-house nursery, which is very cool. And I'm joined by Heidi, um, who is the marketing manager of um, the Grow Company. So we're going to jump straight into the podcast. I know that you guys have had tons of questions. We're going to try and answer all of them if we possibly can. Um, so Heidi, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a mum. I am. Uh, hello. So yeah, I am the marketing manager here at The Grow Company, which means that in my professional world, I work full time here looking after everything to do with the consumer facing side of The Grow brand. So things like the wording that's on the packaging, I get to get involved a little bit in what products are called, things like that but also what you see on our social media channels or how we talk about products in magazines, things like that, or you know, when we go to the baby show and do events. Um, I get involved in all of that to try and make sure that what we're doing is as relevant and as useful as possible for all the mums out in the world, mm-hmm. which I love doing. Um, and then outside of work, I am a mum to a little boy who's now four, Aww. who was an absolute grow baby himself. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we have a great time here in Exeter. Um, spend most of our time on the beach at the moment. <laughs> oh, well, the weather has been absolutely amazing, hasn't it? it? Has. It's been so, so nice. Although I don't know what's going on today with the mizzle. And... Yeah, it's a bit confusing. I know, it wasn't <laughs> meant to be like that. Anyway, it's fine. Um, so, tell us a little bit about Grow. So, the Grow company was established um, almost 20 years ago now by two parents, Rob and Ove, who lived just down the road in Ashburton, um, when they had a baby who didn't sleep. And I think most of us are familiar with that story, those of us who have kids already, and and you've got it all to look forward to. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they had a baby who wouldn't sleep very well, and they had um, someone else in the family who said, you know, elsewhere in Europe, I've seen these baby sleep bags being used, and they seemed to be brilliant, so they sort of went, well, never heard of it, it's not something that's done here in the UK at all, but we'll give it a go, and they got one, miraculously, their child slept through the night, because the child wasn't waking up because they were too cold or too hot, and they weren't losing their blankets, and you know, all of that, Um, so they thought, well, this is brilliant, so they bought a few box loads, and they turned up at a baby show, and they sold them all in the first morning. And it really went from there, and um, Rob and Ove were involved in the business right up until a couple of years ago, so it was a real family business, um, and then we've recently been bought by the company that also owns Tommy Tippy, so, okay. which is great for us, because it means we can really expand globally and spread our good work into new countries that we're not currently in. But in terms of the UK, it stays the same, it's the Grow brand that you know and love, and um, luckily now we're at a point where we are the UK's leading baby sleep brand and our kind of insight shows us that now uh, 85% of parents in the UK use a baby sleep bag yes which is just huge you think within a generation people have gone from not knowing what they are yeah to 85% of parents using them yeah and I know when I had my son I didn't yet work at the grow company like I didn't really know what they were I thought they looked weird when I looked at pictures um (laughs) And, you know, I was thinking of um, using cellular blankets and all of that that was familiar from my own childhood. Mm. And then started to ask people and ask around, and what are you using behind closed doors in your own child's bedroom? And realising, well, everyone's using them, and why are they using them? And what is this thing about? And there's this whole kind of phenomenon. And only now that the brand's like almost 20, we're starting to get the very first, you know, the people who were grow babies are starting to become parents um, ah. And we're starting to get that first next generation coming in, which yeah. is really, it's a really interesting point for us. And it's really fantastic to have people contact us to say, you know, I slept in them and now I'm using them, um, which is really lovely. That's so nice. Because when I was chatting to my mum about it, she had no idea mm. what they are. Because we were talking about, you know, how babies should sleep and yada yada. And she said, have you got lots of lovely blankets? And I thought, well, actually... No, we haven't. We've got a couple of blankets, but that's kind of more out in the pram kind of thing um, to keep them warm, but nothing 
I, I was telling her about the bags and she was like, oh, wow, I've never heard of those mm-hmm. before. And I guess that's exactly the generation thing. It is. And that's what we find. And particularly we do three baby shows a year where we meet hundreds of consumers. And it mm. is the team here from head office that go and do it. And it's a really great opportunity for us to hear what people are worried about and, you know, what's of interest to people. And at that, that's where we really see that because we get all these heavily pregnant mums coming up to the stand and they're sort of on a mission. They've got a shopping list on an Excel sheet and they're yes. saying, I know I need grow bags. I've been told I need grow bags. I don't know which ones I need or really what they are or how to use them. Can you tell me? But but they know they need them because their friends have told them and they've done some research and they've read it on mum's net and, you know, everything else. Meanwhile, they've got their mum with them. Yeah. And mum will stand back a little bit with her arms crossed, sort of shaking her head, going, well, we didn't have this in my day, and you were all fine, <laughs> and, you know, all of that. And so it's a sort of a bit of a job for us to also educate the grannies yes, and get them on board, because, you know, the key takeaway is, yes, you know, you and I wouldn't have slept in a grow bag probably when we were babies, mm. um, and we were fine, absolutely, great. However, SIDS rates have massively dropped in the last 20 years, which is not solely due to grow bags. There's also a lot of other changes in sleep practices. But in the UK, it's been a huge reduction. It's from thousands of babies down to the small hundreds of babies per year that are affected. Mm. So why would we go backwards? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, luckily we were all fine, but there were thousands of babies that weren't. Absolutely. And that's really the thing to try and get home. Um and actually, when you put it like that, then the grannies kind of go, all oh, right, OK, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't argue. <laughs> no. Well, when it comes down to the health and the safety of your baby, there's not really much that's going to stop you from investing in that, is there? No. And it's, you know, it's, as I say, it's it's not just due to grow bags by any stretch. Um, you know, it's important to follow all of the latest safer sleep advice to create the ideal safer sleep environment, mm. of which baby sleep bags can be a helpful factor um but you think people invest so much money in a car seat because it's an obvious point of scariness that you're going to go in the car and leave your baby there and you know that can be terrifying but of course when you go to sleep is really the only time that you're going to close your eyes and leave your baby on their own for hours at a time so it's really important to make sure that you've got that area set up in the safest way you can because that baby's going to kind of kind of be on their own until they wake up and wake you up again. Okay, so let's get on to a few questions because I know that we have had a ton of questions from mums out there who want to know so much about sleep. I obviously want to talk about, you know, the the company started with grow bags, of course. You do a lot more now um, as well to aid with sleep. So I do want to get on to that, but I feel like if we answer the questions first might then give mums a bit of background as to why these products are so good and a real investment for the health of their child. So let's start off with generally covering like safer sleep and SIDS risk reduction um, and maybe the importance of bedding, tog and room temperature. I imagine that will all come within one explanation. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about safe sleeping and just creating the right environment for your baby. Sure, so... It's so important and it really underpins everything that we do here. You know, our aim is to really make sure that babies have the safest sleep environment Mm. um, and therefore make parents' lives easier by making babies sleep better, sleep more safely. Therefore, parents can get a bit more sleep and perhaps worry a little bit less, hopefully. Um, Though you'll always worry. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hugely important. So for an expectant parent, it's completely overwhelming and terrifying and something you've never thought about before. And, you know, we've all been there and we get it. Um, And for every expectant parent, it's an absolute minefield of things you've never thought about necessarily. But luckily there are organisations out there to help. So the Lullaby Trust is our partner charity. who we've worked with right from the beginning of when Robin Hood founded the company. They approached Lullaby Trust at that point and said, look, we're thinking about doing this and can you help us to make sure it's safe and can you work with us? So we've always worked incredibly closely with them um, and we still absolutely continue to do so. So 
the grow bag is the only baby sleep bag they recommend and they recommend using a baby sleep bag as well as a firm flat mattress Mm -hmm. so for instance they don't recommend using a sleeping pod or anything cushioned in your baby's sleep space that's quite important because that can um, increase baby's risk of overheating so a nice firm flat mattress in their own sleep space Um, they also in the safer sleep guidelines things like don't have don't leave toys in the cot yeah because obviously there could be you know suffocation risks and so on um so those guidelines exist i would recommend any expectant parent just to google it and you will find those guidelines they're available on our website but they're of course available on the lullaby trusts website okay along with lots of fantastic resources that they put out there to help you in a very simple way kind of figure out what's the rights and what's the wrongs really Mm. um so really the big risk that they are looking at and that we're looking at is SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Now, it's not fully understood what causes SIDS. Um, it's all a bit of a scary big question mark. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yes, it is. Um, however, through the fantastic research done by lots of doctors and scientists all over the world who all pull together um, to pull their resources and pull their research and make sure that everyone is trying to get ahead of it, they have found what some risk factors are that can contribute to SIDS and increase the risk of SIDS. Um, And a major one of those is temperature. And so that is a proven risk factor. So that includes your room temperature and the temperature of your baby. So if a baby overheats, they are at an increased risk of SIDS. A baby that's too cold will wake up and let you know a baby that's too hot may not wake up. So don't worry about your baby being too cold. Worry about them being too hot. Which makes total sense because when we get too hot, we go all drowsy yeah. and, you know, you want to fall asleep, don't you? Absolutely. Total sense. Okay, yeah. that answers a question that I've had then. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have my baby too cold than too hot, so that's yeah. great. Now, we're not saying let your baby <laughs> be really chilly at all. No. You know, we want baby to be comfortable yeah. and safe, but that's a big thing that people in the winter particularly, will start to overwrap their babies because naturally, as a mother, you want your baby to feel warm and cosy. Mm. Um, but actually, yes, a cold baby will let you know. Um, mm. So just remember that. So then in terms of overheating, so the Lullaby Trust say the recommended room temperature is between 16 and 20 degrees yep. for your baby's sleep space, be that your bedroom, their bedroom. You know, They should be in your bedroom for the first six months. Um, but then once they move out of your bedroom, you know, you should still be monitoring these things because SIDS is a risk right up into the toddler years. Right. Um, so that's the ideal room temperature in practice, particularly at times like now with the heat wave. Yeah. That is quite difficult to maintain. Yeah, we put our baby monitor up just to check it was working and I think it came back at like 24 degrees. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, Well, I don't know what I would put my baby to sleep in then if it's 24 degrees. Precisely. So, you know, take whatever measures you can to cool the room in this temperature. But we know that most houses in the UK don't have air conditioning, so it's not that easy. But, you know, of course, you can open a window, you can run a fan. Don't point it directly at your baby, but it helps to circulate the air around the room. Um, Keeping the curtains closed during the day can help keep the temperature down, things like that. And really, when it's so hot, we would say... Just let baby sleep in a nappy. You know, yeah. their safety is the most important thing. Just have them in a nappy with no sheets, nothing. Um, but as the temperatures start to come down, then it's all about layering. So you use a grow bag or a grow snug. Um, they come, they're tog rated. So okay. we try and make it as easy as possible for the parents. So they have effectively a tog rating is a warmth rating, just like on your duvet on your bed. So you pick the right TOG rating according to your room temperature and then we can give you advice as to what to dress baby in underneath that in in layers. Okay. So with every grow bag and grow snug you get a little cardboard thermometer that comes free in the packaging in the smaller sizes so when your baby's new. Um, Otherwise we have on our website, our most popular website page at the moment particularly is the what to wear guide. I bet. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, we've just launched a new interactive module on there, so you just go in and you can type in what your room temperature is, how old your baby is, what size they are, and it just throws out to you, okay, 
tonight your baby needs to wear this, use that bedding. And God, that's fantastic. Yeah, we're trying to make it as straightforward because we know that tired parents don't want to muck about reading loads of information. No, so <laughs> parents listening or mums to be listening, I will share that link on the podcast show notes. So um, if you want to check that out, I will share that link because that sounds brilliant. Yeah, it's been... It's been brilliant. You know, we've always had the information on our website and it's always been very popular, which is why we put the investment in developing this new tool. Mm. Um, We think it's the only tool of its type around the world. Um, And yeah, it's just since we launched it, particularly because it ties in by luck, it's tied in with a heat wave. Yeah. We've been getting sort of tens of thousands of um, hits on it a week because people obviously are concerned and it's just a very quick way. You know, you can do it on your mobile phone to just tap in and then it'll tell you what your baby should wear. And as the temperatures get colder again, the thing is, it's always a moving beast. As your baby's age changes, what they need to wear might change a little bit. And as the temperatures change throughout the year, it's going to change. So it's something you can keep going back to and get that advice. Um, And the advice we give is based on science and research. It's based on the safer sleep guidelines and what the world's understanding is of tog ratings and layering and baby temperatures and so on um and of course every baby's different some babies run hotter than others some are more comfortable in different places so as a parent you use your parental discretion you might not always like the advice and you can obviously adjust that as you want but it gives everyone a bit of a starting point yeah absolutely i always because obviously when back in my mum's day i think we were sleeping on our side mm. I think yeah back then. sides or fronts maybe yeah sides mm. or front and I, I do actually have a client a yoga client who um has had to now put her baby to sleep on her front mm-hmm. because she just will not sleep on her back and she had really bad acid reflux and was almost every time she put her down to sleep she would vomit mm. which is obviously not ideal when you're lying on your back so mm. It It is, I guess, a little bit down to, you know, the individual baby. It is. It absolutely is. And in the case of, you know, a situation like that, mm. then we would definitely say speak to a doctor and get their advice because sometimes a doctor in specific medical cases will say a baby should sleep on a wedge or on their front or something like that, but that should be with doctor's guidance. Yes. yeah. Everyone else should be sleeping baby on their back. That was a huge campaign by the Lullaby Trust some years ago, the Back to Sleep campaign. And Oh, I get it. Back to sleep. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, They ran this massive media campaign. It got a lot of pick-up, and that really changed the way people put their babies to sleep. And as you say, yes, when we were kids, we were slept on our fronts. Mm. And then they realised that if babies slept on their backs, the SIDS rate was hugely drastically lower and so that's why now everyone sleeps baby on their back that is worldwide understood to be the safest way for baby to sleep and that has really been the big contributing factor to the dropping of SIDS yeah um it's so important the fact is that yeah babies do tend to sleep better on their front they do um we're not going to deny that but actually it's important that a baby wakes up throughout the night because as they rouse, that's them, you know, coming back into consciousness. And of course they need to be fed and yes. changed and everything else. But actually baby sleep patterns are such that it's important they do do that kind of up and down sleep. Mm. If they have that long, long, long sleep, it's actually not necessarily very good for them. And that's when a baby may not always wake up. So yeah. although it's it's a challenge because as a parent, you obviously want your baby to sleep for longer. Um, and so we do hear this a lot that, you know, that oh but my baby sleeps much better on their front we're like yeah they might do but that's actually you want your baby to wake up at the end of the day so absolutely scary as it sounds um absolutely that's that's the sort of the background behind that back to sleep thing I mean you see it everywhere I see it everywhere on Mm. most pieces of marketing even you know on lots and lots of different products Mm. everywhere it will say make sure your baby is on their back um so yeah they're doing brilliantly at getting the word out for Mm. sure um, okay, so uh, room temperature we've covered. So it can you? I mean, obviously, just giving very approximate temperatures. Mm. So obviously, in this heat wave where we've been having, it's probably been a nappy. Mm-hmm. If your yeah. bedroom's been super super hot, yeah. 
Next week it's starting to cool down, I think. I think we're starting to get temperatures of like 18 or 19 next week. So if your bedroom is around 18, 19, what would you suggest babies be wearing? So on our free thermometer that comes in the grey bag, on the back of it is our what to wear guide, which... It's a little uh, illustrated oh, version, yeah, which that. literally shows you sleep suits and vests and things like that. Yes. And this is the low-tech version of the guidance that's on our module online. Yeah. But so if your room was, we said, 19 degrees, then we would recommend you use a one-tog grow bag Yeah. Um, with a vest and a long-sleeve top as well. So you're layering okay. up on that top half. Vest, long-sleeve top and grow bag. So nothing on the legs. No, nothing on the legs, um, and a one-top grow bag is ever so thin. It's um, kind of two layers of cotton normally, so almost um, T-shirt weight. Yeah. Very thin. Um, and then as it gets a little bit cooler again, then you could, in the winter in the UK, most people use a two-and-a-half-tog. Right. And then, again, depending on the room temperature, we've got all different sort of advice on what layers to put underneath. Okay. Um and now a key thing, people always want to know, how do they know if their baby's the right temperature? Yes. And they will often say to us, but my baby's hands are freezing cold. Yes. And, of course, when you look at a grow bag, you think, but what about their poor little arms poking out? Well, firstly, I would say, do you sleep with your arms tucked right under the duvet? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite natural for us to air our arms. Um, but actually... It's very normal for babies' hands and arms to be colder because they can't regulate their temperature mm-hmm. in the same way that an adult can. Um, so don't judge by what their hands and arms feel like. I know my sons, he would wake up in the night and I would bring him out of his Moses basket for a feed and his little hands were like ice. You know, you're breastfeeding him and you're like, oh, it's so cold. <laughs> I'd sort of try and tuck his hands in. Um, that's very normal. Um, mm. To check their body temperature feel on the back of their neck or on their torso so put your hand down inside their grow bag or inside their clothes or you know whatever um and feel their torso that way and that will give you a better indication of whether they're too warm or too cold so if it's warm and clammy then you might want to take off a layer take off a layer yeah if it's just nice and nice and body temperature then it's fine fine. and of course yes if they're crying and then you feel their torso and they're feeling fairly cold then yeah, pop a layer on. Pop on a layer. Mm. Okay, great. Um, so I've seen, in addition to the grow bags, when they're babies' babies, you have this kind of smaller bag. Mm-hmm. Is it called a grow swaddle? Grow snug. It's a grow snug. We do also have a grow swaddle. That's another product. So okay. I can explain the difference. Yeah. So let's go on to swaddling. So I know there mm. are lots of mums who want to give swaddling a go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to give swaddling a go. I'd like to attempt it. But then I know that. Getting the hips right can be quite challenging yes. as well. And yeah. I have never swaddled before, so I have no idea what I'm doing. So please, <laughs> give us some insight into that. So swaddling is brilliant. That okay. is why people <laughs> the world over for hundreds of years have swaddled their babies, because it works. Not for every baby. Some babies just hate it, and that's fine. You'll know when your baby arrives. Um, but for many, many babies, it's brilliant. The reason swaddling works so well particularly on newborn baby uh, is because all newborns have a thing called the morrow reflex yes i've heard about this right so if there is a sharp noise um for instance your fork on your dinner plate is one that always got my son Um, (laughs) or you know just a, a sharp noise in the area then baby from sleep will fling their arms and legs out and it's just a reflex right um the action of that reflex happening doesn't wake them up but when they fling their arms and legs out and you know hit their mattress and what have you that wakes them up so it's not actually the noise it's the reaction that's waking them just as when you go to sleep and you have that weird i've fallen off a cliff jump thing and that wakes you up i can only imagine it's a similar thing for them um so while they're asleep they have this morrow reflex which becomes the bane of your life because it wakes them up all the time. Um, so swaddling suppresses that reflex because you wrap their arms nice yeah. and tightly to them and it means they won't fling their arms out in the same way so they can then sleep through those noises and sleep through that reflex. Um, and also it gives them that lovely soothing feeling. You know, they're all tight, tucked up in your womb and so it makes them feel that kind of nice, tucked up feeling. So that's all the good stuff about swaddling and that's why it works. 
the swaddling can get a good press and a bad press and the reason it gets bad press is because if you swaddle tightly around baby's hips and mm. legs so that their legs are kind of forced into a straight down position that's not very good for them particularly if the baby has or is at risk of hip dysplasia right. which is when their legs are not sitting properly into their hip sockets um then it can uh damage the development of those hip sockets because babies will naturally lie in what we call the froggy legged position so you lay a baby down its back and it puts its legs almost into a w type shape yes with its legs completely splayed and that's the best position for their hip development. You'll see this, um, I don't know if you've done podcasts already about slings, or if you yourself have looked into slings, yeah. then you'll see that some slings, baby's legs dangle down, whereas in others, baby's legs are in that W position, which is a much better position for them to be in. So it's the same sort of conversation. Um, so you really don't want to swaddle your baby with their legs tightly wrapped all the way down. And... With a traditional swaddle, i.e. a square of cotton, a square of fabric or a muslin or a blanket, then you can absolutely swaddle safely and swaddle so that they're nice and tight on the top, loose on the bottom. It's a bit more difficult because it's a little bit more of a difficult fold and when you're tired, you might not be bothered to think about that. It's the last thing you want when your baby's crying and you're Mm. just trying to sort them out. So we've developed some products that kind of just make that a little bit easier for you. You can absolutely use a square fabric if that's what you prefer, but this is just making things easier, as are all of our products. That's kind of what we do. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just making things a little bit easier. Yeah, which we all need. Which you need at (laughs) three in the morning. Um, So we have the Hip Healthy Grow Swaddle, and that is um, our kind of introductory model, if you were. So Mm -hmm. that's just made of jersey, and it has a kind of pocket at the bottom so you just put baby's legs straight into the pocket right and then it has two lengths of fabric that you use to wrap baby's top half however tightly you need to for your size of baby and we have sold the gross waddle for years and years um that does very well and people really like it great and that's a kind of simple uh step on from that square of fabric that's okay. your next step on as it were yeah Then a couple of years ago, we developed the Grow Snug, which is a step-on again. So both of these can be used from newborn um, and, in fact, can be used for early babies as well because they go from very small small weights. Um, So the Grow Snug is a, we call it kind of a newborn grow bag, similar sort of shape, but it has a two-way zip, so you're not doing any wrapping at all. Um, so all you do is lay baby on it and zip it up and baby's done swaddled and it swaddles them nice and tightly around the top but again it's got a nice hip healthy pocket for their legs so there's plenty of room there so they can lay in that w position yeah um it's made of a stretchy jersey again so it's nice and cozy for the baby uh the zip is two ways so that you can open it from the bottom to change their nappy without completely unswaddling them which is great in the middle of the night because quite often you will get them up to feed them they will naturally often fall asleep immediately after their feed, but they will also fill their nappy. Yeah. So then you're kind of torn between, I want to change the nappy, but I also really appreciate that my baby's sleeping. Yes. What do I do? Um, so that two-way zip can be really good in those situations because actually you can change their nappy, but keeping the top nice and swaddled so they feel all cosy and actually they'll quite often sleep through the nappy change then. So then you can put them straight back to bed, which brilliant. is brilliant. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yes. And then the Grow Snug also has little shoulder holes. So it has poppers so that when you want them all swaddled, then you just do the poppers up and it's all nice and cosy in the top half. But when baby gets a little bit older or you discover that your particular baby doesn't like swaddling or your baby wants to suck their thumb, you can undo the poppers and they have their arms out just as they would in a grow bag. So it also helps that transition. Once they get too big for swaddling, then it helps them to transition into the grow bag. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that sounds like a great product and yeah, you don't want to be faffing around with swaddling in like 3am in the morning, yeah, do you? <laughs> it's amazing. It's developed by uh, Debbie, who's here in our office, who Aww. is the absolute textile genius. Um, and yeah, and she developed it and it's just done so brilliantly and we've, you know, surpassed all our expectations because parents kind of look at it and go, oh, that's so much easier. Yeah. You know, and and, and both the Grow Swaddle and the Grow Snug are certified as hip healthy by the International Hip Dysplasia Institute. Okay. So it basically just takes that worry off your mind. Yeah. Which is great. 
It does, because it's definitely something that I worry about. I mean, I have no idea how you become prone to something like that, but it it's something that worries me, having mm. kind of... I mean, I just have no idea what to do with legs and arms and <laughs> all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, babies can be rather like wriggly octopuses, and they yeah. suddenly seem to have far more legs and arms than they should do when you're trying to handle them. <laughs> yes, exactly, and then slippery legs and arms are a nightmare. Okay, let's move on to some of the questions which um, have come through from um, the listeners. So, any tips or tricks on how to get your baby to sleep on holiday? Yes. So, on holiday, it's a great one, particularly at this time of year. Um, I would certainly recommend a dark room, Mm -hmm. which is obviously not always a given, even in the UK at this time of year at bedtime. Uh, But anything you can do to make the room darker helps newborn babies do not know the difference between day and night but as baby gets a little bit older and they their kind of circadian rhythms and everything start to fall into place then that darkness is really important just as it is for you or i um so if you can make the room dark then that is brilliant. We do sell travel blackout blinds, which I've helps seen with that. <laughs> My yes. husband wants one of those. He's like, forget about the baby. I need one of those. <laughs> when I was talking to Charlie on the podcast about prams and things, mm. um, because he's an airline pilot and he has to sleep at very odd hours, mm-hmm. um, I saw this and I was like, oh my God, I've got to get him one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do have adults who take them around with them as well. Yeah, and all I sorts bet. Of things. Um, yes, it's a it's a funny little product because we've sold it for years. It doesn't really change. It's what it is. Um, but it is absolutely one of our best sellers. It's a huge part of our business. Um, yeah. And it's I think it's the number one best selling portable blackout blind on Amazon. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. But, yes. So, but darkness in whatever way you can achieve it, yeah. massively helps. Generally, trying to stick to your baby's established routines if they have any obviously really helps. Although you know, that's a balance for you as a parent, really. Um, some parents will find, okay, my baby always falls asleep at 7pm, so let's stitch that as best we can, um, because it's important to us that our, you know, our baby gets the best night's sleep, as do we, because we're on holiday and we want to relax, and the last thing we want to do is be up with a crying baby. Yeah. Other parents will take the opinion of, well, we're on holiday, so actually we want to be sitting out at a restaurant and having some nice dinner and everything else. It's your holiday, it's your baby, you figure it out the best way for you, really. Yeah. Um, but yes, if your baby is a baby of routine, which my son has kind of set his own routine, and although he still can't tell the time, he seems to know exactly when 7pm is. Really? Guaranteed 7pm, he will be yawning, and he'll tell me now that he's not tired, but yeah, he's always seemed to know when 7pm was. Um, so if your child's one of those, then do what you can to support them with their wish to yes. go to bed at that time. Um Anything you can do to take their familiar sleep cues with you without taking, you know, an entire suitcase of just baby bedding stuff, which you will do anyway. <laughs> Everyone does. But so if they have, you know, particular things in their bedroom that you use every night at bedtime, try and maintain that. So that might be a white noise device. Um, it might be, for instance, if they are a baby with a grow bag, take a grow bag with you. It seems yeah. obvious, but you might not think of it. Um, it may be that you're using a particular tog here and you need to think about what the temperature is going to be like where you're going, particularly if the room has air conditioning, you actually might need to go the opposite way. Yes. You, know, you might be going to a hotter country, but if the room has air conditioning, you might actually want to take a cooler tog Yes. Um, because that room might be cooler than your bedroom at home. So anything like that so the baby feels familiar and sort of gets the message of, oh, okay, this is, this is all my sleep stuff is great. And also if you have, um, you know, a lot of people do a bath book bed routine or always do a bath before bed, things like that, then try and maintain that as far as possible as well. Yeah, that's great. That kind of covers my question about routine or no routine as well, which is super. Um, Okay, so we've covered that. You mentioned about white noise um, maker. So I know about white noise because my husband uses white noise to go to sleep himself. Ah. (laughs) Um, Apparently it sounds like the inside of an aircraft and it makes him sleep, so that's great. (laughs) But for the purpose of our um, listeners, can you tell us a little bit about white noise? Yeah, so white noise is this sort of phenomenon, really, um, that in the case of babies, 
has been proven to help a lot of babies sleep better. As with absolutely everything I'm talking about, every baby's different. It may not work for your yeah. baby. That's fine. Um, but white noise can be very beneficial for a lot of babies because it kind of mimics the noise they can hear in the womb. It's actually very noisy in the womb um, because they've got all that muffled sound from outside coming through. I'm sure your baby's enjoying listening to the podcast yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so it mimics that noise, and again, it's that familiarity for them, and it also can help to drown out uh, background noise in the environment. So as we were mentioning earlier, that fork on the dinner plate, if they've got white noise playing in their room, it'll help to kind of muffle that and help them sleep through those noises. Um, So yes, a lot of people will use white noise from birth. It seems to be the most successful if a baby's introduced to it very young and then they'll carry on with it. Right. Whereas if you try and introduce it at eight, nine months, typically people don't have as much success with it. But then at that stage, you might find a lullaby works a little bit better or something like that. Um, And there's all sorts of ways of doing white noise. I have heard a lot of parents finding there are white noise apps so you could leave your phone in their bedroom or on youtube there's like hour-long white noise videos um (laughs) all sorts of ways of doing it like that or you know you could leave a radio on static that kind of thing Mm. um but of course we have products to help with it so we make a couple of different white noise products which the biggest of which is our Ollie the Owl um, Is that the friend. giant owl yes. dancer? Oh, yes. just, I took yes. a picture of that on my way in. I just wanted to give him like a really big hug. <laughs> so yes, cute. as you walk into the grow building, there is a kind of man-sized, cuddly <laughs> owl huge. in reception. Uh, yes, that is giant Ollie the Owl. They're not all that big. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine it being most size people's nurseries? <laughs> no, he was made for a trade show in Cologne, but he does actually have white noise and lights, and he's, no. he's fully functional. Oh yeah. my goodness! Um, no, normal white, normal Ollie the Owl is you know cuddle sized. Yeah, um, and he is one of a range called the Grow Friends, of which. There is another one that's just launched, Percy the Penguin, and there okay. are a few more friends to watch out for later this year. Oh, exciting. Um, but they play white noise, lullabies, heartbeat and rainfall. Oh, um, so you have a choice of sounds. They've got a little glowing nightlight in their bellies. But the key thing about those Grow Friends products is they have a cry sensor. Right. So it plays for 20 minutes as your baby falls asleep, and then it switches off. It doesn't play all night because that would use so many batteries. Um, yeah. And it isn't really necessary once your baby's actually gone to sleep. But then if baby stirs or cries out within three hours, then the grow friend is listening and will automatically start playing the sound again. Oh, which wow. is a sort of first defence to help settle your baby without you having to get out of bed and turn it on. Yeah. So if baby's just feeling a bit fussy and unsettled, then that will help to ease them back to sleep without you always having to wake up. If baby needs a feed or a change, you've got to get up and do it. We haven't yet developed a cuddly toy that can do that for you. <laughs> Wouldn't you that know. be nice? <laughs> got it in the pipeline, maybe. <laughs> the <No>. grown nanny. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't quite alleviate all the problems. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if it's just that baby's a bit fussy, which quite often they are, then it's a first line of defence for you and... The feedback we've had on it has been phenomenal, and people have really found that really helpful. Yeah. Oh, super. Okay. You get one for your husband. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, but instead of his ugly machine, we'll put a nice little <laughs> owl next to him. <laughs> um, what else have we got? So, how do I get my toddler to sleep longer? Yeah, so toddlers bring a whole new world of um, sleep issues. Mm. Of course, yeah, when you're pregnant, you're very focused on that newborn phase, but... Of course, it goes so quickly. And the thing is with babies and toddlers that at every stage, they come up with new challenges for you. And that's due to their changing developmental stages, their changing awareness, their changing understanding of the world. So, you know, when they're newborns, it's very reactive to there's been a noise, they've woken up and so on. And of course, reactive to hunger and nappy changing. As they grow older, they will go longer between needing feeds, grow longer between needing changes. But they might start to be worried about separation anxiety or, you know, toddlers obviously scared of the bogeyman under the bed and, you know, all of these things. And so it changes all of the time. And I I don't know that it necessarily gets easier because there's always a new battle. But the mm. good thing is that you as a parent hopefully get a bit, bit more sleep in between, which definitely helps. Yeah. 
So with toddlers, um, the questions we get asked most frequently are normally about early morning waking. So especially in the summer when we have shorter nights. Yes. We have a lot of toddlers waking up at 4.30 or 5am and they are awake for the day. Toddlers are incredibly determined. Um, So once they're up, that's it, they're up. And they're quite likely of an age where you can't safely say, I'll just go downstairs and watch TV by yourself or go and play in your room. You know, we're talking two, three-year-olds here. Yeah. They need your supervision, of course. And you're kind of thinking, well, you're not a baby anymore. Why am I up at 4am? Yeah. Um, So that's something that we try and help with with the Grow Clock, which is actually celebrating its 10th birthday in November. Okay. So that has been on the market 10 years and, again, is another one of our best-selling products globally. So what's that? So the grow clock is a little clock that you put on your child's bedside table. Right. And it has a picture of the sun on it with a yellow glowing screen. And as your child goes to bed, you read them a little story, which comes with the clock. It comes with a storybook, um, which kind of sets up the idea that it's important that we all get some sleep so that we can play lots tomorrow. Yes. And together you say night to the sun and you press a button on it and then the sun changes into a a blue face with a star on it and so for a toddler who can't tell the time and who doesn't know whether you know they just wake up and they think well it's light outside I want to wake up you know it's morning yeah yeah and they don't understand and that actually there's two hours until morning as an acceptable morning and they don't know how long two hours is or you know whatever sure then it's a really simple visual clue to help them to understand that um so you say the night to the sun together, you watch it go down, it turns blue and you leave your toddler to go to sleep. In the morning, if they stir and if the screen is still blue, they know that it's still night time and it's not time to get up. And then at whatever time you've set it for, in my house it's 7am, then that blue face turns into the yellow face. And so the sun comes up. And then I hear, Mummy, my son's come up. <laughs> and I know I'm not Aww. the only one. Parents all around the world hear that every morning. And oh, we get so much feedback. Um, and we people send us little videos of their kids all around the world saying, Mummy, my son's up. <laughs> and running into their bedrooms and things. And it, it can really, really work. It takes a bit of perseverance. You know, yeah. like anything, it's not an instant cure because your toddler has their own mind and their own opinions on what they want to do. Um, we would recommend as you introduce it, perhaps introducing a reward chart if they work for your child. Mm. Uh, my son loves a good sticker, so we're often done stickers with him. Um, but keep reiterating that this is what we do. We don't get up until the sun comes up. Um, and for many people, they find that a very painless way to get their toddler to understand what kind of what the rules are in a gentle way yeah um just as with anything else you know you have to teach your child not to run into the road and not to touch the oven this is just the same you're teaching your child that we don't wake up until it's acceptable time um and yeah and it's super popular it works really well god what a fantastic idea so simple exactly but effective absolutely yeah and as i say it's been going strong for 10 years now and still continues to sell incredibly well so yeah yeah it's a good one so when you get into the toddler years then you'll be looking at them I feel like I need one because I wake up at like five o'clock and then I have Mm. to think okay I don't have no idea what time what time it is right now so I then reach for my phone then by the time I reach for my phone I'm like okay now I'm awake that's rubbish and it's only five o'clock and I need to go back to sleep but there's no way that's going to happen exactly exactly yeah they're super popular um and we have a new version coming out this autumn. Ooh, Same functionality. Yeah. It's not a different product in any sense. But it has a different picture on. And it's coming with a brand new storybook. Which is oh, quite exciting. Very so, exciting. Yeah, watch out for that one. Yeah, I definitely will. Okay, so I think we are almost coming to the end of the questions. Um, I have one more question. Crying. Mm. So... I think this is around, um, the question is around, like, when is it okay to, or is it ever okay to leave your baby to kind of cry it out? Um, And when do babies know that crying is going to get your attention rather than they're crying because they need a change or a feed or they're too cold or something else? Mm -hmm. When does that, I mean, do you know, kind of, Mm -hmm. 
when does that switch kind of flip where they can cry for something (laughs) just because they want you? I think that that is down to each parent and their child. Mm -hmm. And that's just part of your communication between each other. I don't know that there's an exact answer in exact science. Maybe there is, but I don't know the answer. But certainly in my personal experience, you know, a newborn doesn't know how to do that. They're not manipulative. Sometimes (laughs) it definitely feels like they are. Um, But no, they're not. And, you know, they need your help. They need your assistance. You're the only person to be there. Whereas my son now, being that much older... Yeah, he definitely knows to cry for my attention. Yes. Definitely. Um, but, you know, but I know that. And I think that when you first have a baby, that's part of the language that you need to learn between the two of you. Just as your baby is, is starting to learn that that's my mum and she's smiling and she's happy and she loves me and all those nice things that baby's going to learn about your face and about the way you communicate with them non-verbally. Mm. Equally, when your baby arrives, you will start to learn their language and it doesn't happen immediately and I think it's probably very common for new parents to sit there and sort of go oh god I don't know what I'm doing here and you know oh I'm in a cafe and my baby's crying and everyone's looking at me and they probably all know what it needs and I don't know what it needs (laughs) and I think that's probably very common anxiety yeah but as your baby gets a little older and you get used to each other you will learn that weird secret language and certainly with my son I definitely did know the difference between the hungry cry and the nappy change cry and the tired cry. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're really that different? Yeah. And to an extent, I can hear it in other cries around the supermarket. You know, I can definitely sort of go, oh, that baby's really tired, or that baby, (laughs) oh, she's a bit hungry. And then I just feel for the mum there thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, you're just desperately trying to finish your weekly shop because you guys need food, and yet your baby needs you. And oh, we've all been there. Like you just kind of think, I wish I could help. I wish there was something I could do. I'm gonna record um, my cry and send it to you and be like, Heidi, what is this? <laughs> no, because you'll know. I think I just think I. This is just purely from my opinion as a mum, but I just think it kind of happens naturally that as your baby becomes able to create different cries, mm. because a newborn cry is a newborn cry. It just it's just a newborn cry. Um, but as they get a little bit older and they and they their own way of communicating with you develops and they are able to have those different cries for different situations, you learn it with them. Mm. And then equally as they get older still, and yes, they do start to push the boundaries and you will know the difference between, like I know the difference easily between my son's um, mummy, I'm just annoyed because Paw Patrol's finished, cry, and... Mummy, I just hurt myself, cry. Yeah. And I can tell you, one of them will have me running before I've even realised what's happening. You know, that's just your natural instinct as a mother. And equally, yeah, if I hear, if I'm at the playground and another child's done the, I've hurt myself, cry, all the mums are like meerkats, like, you know it. (laughs) And I just think it it happens. And dads as well, of course, you know, anyone that spends a lot of time with that child, um, it will come to you. Yeah. And I think that's a scary thing because... You feel like, how would I ever know and what is the difference? But you you will. Yeah. Everyone knows. Okay. I hope so. I hope you I know. Will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna ask you, what is your favorite grow product? You can say more than one. Um, for me, definitely the grow bag because I had my son before I worked here and he slept in grow bags. I'm not just saying that because I'm the marketing manager, but you know, I I got the job here, I applied for the job here because I love the brand. Yeah. And because for me, grow bags were fantastic because he couldn't kick his blankets off and lose them. I knew he was the right temperature. I knew I was creating a safer sleep environment for him. And that was just so reassuring in the face of the terrifying monster that is SIDS that I had sort of done what I could. Um, so for me, definitely the grow bag is just phenomenal. Mm. And even just like down to the practicalities of it washes really well. My son had reflux, so he threw up pretty much every five minutes. So mine are in the wash all the time. And yes, I bought some competitor ones and found they didn't wash as well. So, okay. you know, that kind of it's stuff. Loved them. Yeah. The quality of them. Loved it. Yeah. So what I are they made of? Uh, most of them are made of 100% cotton outer okay. and then they have a wadding inside but okay. we have a variety of different fabrics so we offer some specialist things like we do an insect shield grow bag which 
won um, the Innovation Award at Kinder Nugent, which is the big European trade show. So I think Charlie was telling me about that. Might one. well have done, yeah. yeah. So that was quite a big deal to have won like the most innovative product of the year across the whole of the nursery industry. Absolutely, so that is cotton, but it's been treated with Insect Shield, which is um, it provides. It's a natural chemical that provides protection against insects. Yeah. Um, so we do some specialist fabrics like that, but yeah, um, on the whole, they're cotton. And the insect one is non-toxic for babies, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, baby can and... suck on it, baby can chew on it. The insect shield chemical, which is tightly bonded into the fabric, um, is actually FDA approved. It's right. predominantly used on things like American military uniforms. Okay. Um, you can buy camping gear and things with it on. Right. So we license it. But this was the first time it's been applied onto a baby sleep bag. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's derived from chrysanthemums and you can't smell it, you can't taste it. And yep, baby can absolutely chew on that bag if they want to and they'll be fine. And you can wash it. Does yep. it ever wash out? Or? Yeah, it lasts for the expected lifetime of the product. Okay. Um, so yep, you can wash it and it'll be totally fine. Okay. So when, um, for like a new mum like me, if I was going to invest in some grow bags... How many do you reckon I would need? We always recommend one to wash and one to wear. One to wash, one to wear, okay. So most people tend to have two on the go at any stage. So grow bags come in size 0 to 6 months, and then 6 to 18, and then 18 to 36, all the way up to 10 years. Right, People wow. don't realise they go that big, but on wow. our grow store online shop, we do sell them that big. Um, but they're huge. They are. Uh, <laughs> we every now and then we've got one somewhere in this building. Every now and then our smaller members of the team do get in them. <laughs> um, but yes, so you will end up buying them as your baby grows because obviously they need to be the right size. Um, mm. Because yes, they need to be long enough for your baby's legs naturally, but also the neck sizing is incredibly important because the great thing about a grow bag or a properly sized baby sleep bag is that baby can't slip down under the covers. Yes. Very important. So the neck sizing obviously changes as those age barriers move up. Mm. Um, all grow bags adhere to the British safety standard for baby sleep bags. That's, you know, 100% of the time we do that. Not all baby sleep bags for sale in the UK do, because right. it is a voluntary standard. So there are other baby sleep bags on the market that may be sized differently okay so for us the neck sizes are controlled by the safety standard they are very strictly regulated yeah so you'll buy some at naught to six months then you'll buy again as your baby gets bigger so that all of that is right and proper and you don't have to worry about any of that we take care of it all for you but you will also potentially end up buying different togs for different yes. seasons mm. so yeah we would tend to say for for your new baby buy two so that you've got one wash one wear in an appropriate tog for the season your baby's going to be born in and then once your baby's here you know then you can figure out what works for you whether you need you know whether you want to have more or not you know some people can't afford to have more that's totally fine you can manage with two not a problem um and as the temperatures change and the seasons change and so on you can figure out what works for you and your baby and what's the average retail price of a grow bag uh, we do different price points um, depending on things like whether it has a special treatment such okay. as insect shield. Um, we do some designer collaborations. So we yeah. did a collaboration with Orla Kylie a couple of years ago and we've just launched a collaboration with Rob Ryan, the artist. Um, those are obviously a little bit more expensive. Um, but generally grow bags are around £35 a Okay. Go. Okay. So I guess not that different to if you were buying sheets for your mm -hmm. bedding and blankets and... Yeah, and you think, okay, so grow bags, you know, no word of a lie, are a little bit more expensive than some other competitors, but that's because of all of the safety testing we yes. put them through and all yeah. the quality fabrics and, you know, fixtures and fittings that are on there and, yeah. and so on. Um, but then you think £35 for something that you are going to put your baby in and potentially close your eyes and leave them there for... 12 hours on a great night. Yeah. Um, probably not when they're in the no. I can't promise that. But even just an hour, you know, yeah. even just an hour, you're going to leave your baby effectively unattended. Then compare that to what you're spending on your car seat, which is also a very justified cost. Yes. But actually, when you think of it that way, it's, 
probably worth the investment. Yeah, absolutely. And you're using it every night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's not like a, you know, you're going to put them in it when you feel like it. Yeah, and we do find people pass them on a lot because yeah. they last so well. We actually have people quite often get in touch with us on social media and say, oh, I've, I've been given this grow bag and is it a real grow bag or is it a copy? Um, and it'll be because the label looks slightly different. Right. And so we take a look at it and go and we've got people who work here who have worked here since day one of the grow company and we'll go and show it to them and say well I don't recognize this design do you and we actually had someone got in touch and she had one of the very first grow bags so it was an 18 year old grow bag that still looked as good as new that had been passed through baby after baby and now she was saying I'm going to use this but is it a real grow bag because the the logo's different and we're like yeah that's real oh fantastic Um, and we get that quite a lot where we have people who have you know five ten year old grow bags and they don't realize how old they are because they wash and survive so well yeah oh that's that's so good to know that they actually last there's so much stuff isn't there that yeah i was given a baby grow and i washed it once and i was like oh that's not yeah. turned out so well yeah you find your fabric sort of bobbling yeah. or it's shrunk or gone lumpy or yeah. yeah it's not ideal is it um okay so on to your experience as a mum mm. my listeners are always keen to know <laughs> what was the most useless baby item that you bought when you had yours for me we bought um we had a top and tail bowl i'm not into that some people are but we did we did use a baby bath and you and I were chatting about this earlier yeah and I actually did find the baby bath useful but some people don't but yeah. um but yeah top and tail bowl for me I didn't really get what I was supposed to do with it no. to be honest okay that's good to know mm-hmm. what pram did you have can you remember I had when he was a newborn I had baby style oyster yeah. which I loved I lived in London at the time yeah um, and I wanted something that was very lightweight and that folded very small because we lived in a flat. Right. Um, and that really did meet my needs with that. And it had nice big wheels, which were great for getting it up and down onto the bus. Yes. Because at the time I didn't drive. And so I was very like, these are my needs. It's all to do with the bus and the flat. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and that was great. And then once he got more into the toddler years, I found that a bit bulky. And I bought a uh, Graco Evo Mini. Okay. Which was like a three-wheeler kind of stroller thing, but it still has one single handle, yes. which is so much easier to push than the two-handle push chairs. And that was brilliant. And I've actually just passed that on to someone else here at Grow who's now got a two-year-old. Um, so, yeah, both of those were really great. Car seat. Car seat. I had the Maxi Cozy Pebble, yeah. um, which I think is probably... I don't know, probably one of the best sellers on the market. I think it's still um, is, yeah. Yeah, which was fantastic. And now my son is in a Britax, now that he's in like a more of a sit-up toddler age car seat. I mean, yes. the great thing now, that you know, the knowledge I have now, I definitely didn't have then. Um, and now I've been to so many baby shows and obviously I've got to know people in other brands and we've worked a little bit with other brands and things like that. And so I can't say whether I would choose the same items again. I, I don't regret them at all, and I possibly would choose them again. Yeah. But I now have more awareness of what else is on the market. Yes. Um, I definitely would say look at kiddie car seats, because I didn't know of them at all when my son was a baby. Yeah. But now I've got to know them quite well, because they are another lullaby trust partner. Oh. And it just seems like their safety testing and their quality is just phenomenal. That's what we've got. We've oh, really? got a Kiddie Eva Luna. It's the is one that the that lie flat. Because yeah. we travel a lot. Mm. And I didn't want to have to bother taking the bassinet mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff with us. So, yeah, we've got the Kiddie Eva Luna. Um, I have to say, <laughs> when we put it in the car, and we've got a big car, we've got an estate. Mm. Um, when you put it into the lie flat function in the car your passenger seat is so far forward mm. you can't really sit there for mm. a long time and I'm only five foot three and a half so yeah. even I struggle but my husband would have to drive if that yeah. was the case um but I think for us it was more important that it was life flat on the buggy mm. so we didn't then have to take the bassinet as well mm. and I have to say when my son was a baby in the car seat I chose to sit in the back with him anyway did you yeah. see I said to Hendrik I thought that as well mm. but then I do get really car sick 
but maybe that'll just stop when there's a baby. I think in, in the place. face of you feeling a little bit nauseous or having your baby crying for an hour on the motorway, you'll yeah. be like, I'll take the nausea. I'll take the nausea, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give me some travel sweets and I'll just suck on those. I'll be fine. And I think that brings us to the end of all of the questions. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Or is there a question that you get asked all the time um, and we haven't covered? I think we've covered most things, haven't we? Yeah, I think we've covered everything. I guess the key takeaways from this would just be check out the Lullaby Trust website because yeah. they really are the knowledgeable experts. Um, you know, if you're so inclined, please check out the Grow website for our What to Wear guidance for sure. Oh, definitely. Um, I'll include that. Yeah, and then we also have, um, we launched last year a digital magazine called Sleep Club. Okay. And so that's worth a look as well. The reason that we launched that was because we, you know, from our experience as mums on the marketing team, um, we found there was, once your baby's here, there's a lot of advice from your health visitors about weaning, about breastfeeding and, you know, all these different aspects. But there wasn't a lot out there that supported your baby's sleep and also your sleep as new parents. Mm. And so we wanted to create a kind of place where you could go to read anything you might want to know about all of that. So effectively, this podcast in a magazine format. Yeah. Um, so that's proven really popular. And we have lots of articles on there that are you know, things from our own experience. We have lots of expert articles on there from the Lullaby Trust Have a Safer Sleep section on there. Um, we have things like we have a friendly weatherman at the Met Office called Aidan McGiven, who you may have seen on TV. He is our weather dad, and so oh, he brilliant. he writes articles for us about changing temperatures and things like that coming up. We've had guest posts from people like um, Izzy Judd, who's given us stuff on there. Alex Jones, um, uh, Annabelle Carmel has written stuff for us on there. So really interesting place just to go and dive in and see what takes you fancy. There's stuff on there. We always say it's that place to go. You know, it's three in the morning. <laughs> everyone's yeah. awake your baby's crying you're crying and you're going is this normal am I the only one going through this and you're feeding your baby and by the light of your phone yes. so go there have a read find out that it is normal and you're not alone get an answer to whatever your worry your question is and then go and read something light hearted and make yourself feel better yeah so I would recommend having a look at that as well so if I pop the link on the show notes for that as well sure. and then people can click right through to that and then save that link for the 3 a.m.s yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh well it's brilliant thank you so so thank much you. for coming on the podcast that has been incredibly informative i definitely feel a lot more clued up so i'm sure my listeners will as well um and yeah thank you so much heidi thank you